Hey everyone, it's great to be gathered together. It's great to be here in person. Thank you for those joining online and being a part of this that way. What an incredible, that song about revival. It's just been, it's been something that's been tugging on my heart now for, for a while. And just to be able to, to, to pray and to, to declare that and to, to sing that out. It's like praying about God, cover this land. Our, our, our land needs the covering of God and the power of God to be poured out and, and to, to rush through. It's like, I, for me, it's an image of, of, of water. It's, a, it's an image of a, of a dam breaking and, and the life that comes, the life-giving power of God's Holy Spirit just flooding an arid place and bringing life. And it's so powerful. And, and we're agreeing together for that. Like, we're, we're coming together. This isn't just about, you know, doing church on a Sunday morning. We're, we're gathering together in faith, believing for God to do something in our midst and I don't know about you, but that's why I've gathered this morning, and I'm believing for God to be able to do that, and uh, I sense that you are too, so I'm excited for what he's going to do and what he's saying in our midst. It's great. I believe we're, we're ready for harvest, or at least we're, we're hungry for it. We see it, and God is getting us ready for it through this process, so it's, it's great. Um, so yeah, we're continuing in this journey uh, through our vision, mission, and values as Faith City Church. And it's an exciting season in the life of the church, believing for God to just open us up to the next things and what he's doing as he leads us forward uh, by his spirit and as we lean on him and believe in what he's doing. And he's doing that through our vision. He's doing that through our mission. He's, he's shaping that through our values. And, and it's those things that make us unique as, as a church, as Faith City Church, in the context of a greater church in our city. And I love when Nathan was praying, you know, that sense that God is moving in churches and the church across our city and our region. And we just lean into that. So we're thinking of values. You know, we've, we've talked about the value of all people. Like, people matter no matter who they are. We value people. We, we talked about being Christ-centered and finding our identity in Christ and the power of that. It's a place to, to, to launch out from, from that solid place of knowing who we are in Christ. And then last week, we talked about discipleship and, and this idea that like, that's not optional. It's, it's just it's God's call on us to be making disciples and that we lay down our lives to follow Christ. And through that, we find life. And it's such a powerful thing. And this week, I want to unpack the idea of empowered leaders, empowered leaders. And so let me, I, I want to read that value as we've, as we've uh, I want to give context to that to make sure you understand when I say empowered leaders, I want to describe what we, we feel that looks like for us here at Faith City Church. So I'm going to read that right out, of, right out of our value statement. It says this, empowered leaders, we believe the gospel is about releasing in freedom rather than restricting in legalism. So we strive to empower leaders by releasing them into the bigness of their God-given purpose rather than restricting them to small dreams and small influence. So when we say empowered leaders, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about releasing people into their God-given callings, their God, how God has made them. I grew up on a farm and yes, I grew up. I'm older, but I actually did grow up. So I grew up on a farm, and, and it's been in the, the family for generations, and I, and I love that. It's, it's, it's something precious to me. And so um, growing up on the farm, I went away to university, and after university, I came back to the farm. And when I came back, I decided, you know, we've got this space, we've got all these things. It's like, I think I want a horse. 
And it's like, no, I'm not some kind of an urban cowboy or anything like that. Like the big belt buckle, that's not me. But it's like a horse, that'd be cool to have on our property. So it was in the fall. And so there was a, um, there was a trail ride, a, a place that did trail rides not far from where I lived. And in the fall, they often kind of sold off some of the, the horses so they didn't have to winter them. And I was like, oh, great time, good deal. So I bought this horse. I built a box stall in our barn for the horse and brought it home, took care of her and, and, and kind of put her in there. And, and it was great. She was safe. She was cared for. She was warm. And it's like, what an incredible um, animal a horse is. It's like, a, a, they're just beautiful. They're, they're they're powerful, they're, they're just quite an animal, and they're capable of carrying a rider, they're capable of, of high speeds, it's like they're capable of so much. And, and my horse was, like I said, safe and cared for in the barn, but it wasn't until spring rolled around, and I was able to, to, to release her into the fields that I began to see the true magnificence of this animal to see her run or, and to ride her across the open field and just to get that sense of, of the power of what was there and the potential of what was there. She was never really all that happy in the box stall. Like, it, just, it was a good spot. It was safe. It was proper. It wasn't any of that. But that wasn't where she really excelled. It wasn't until I released her that, that I really got to see who she was. That's what she was born to do. That's what she was designed to do was to run. Now, harnessing the potential of all that power and ability was a process of training, proper environment, leadership, saddle, the reins, the cues from the rider, the open fields. Those things all come together to provide a great experience when you're out riding. It, it's, it's incredible. Now, the analogy here is not that you guys are all like horses. Okay, that's, that's not the point. That's, that's not where I'm going here. The idea is that a horse in a stall is the picture of unrealized potential. A horse in a box stall, in a, in a restricted space, a limited space, is the picture of unrealized potential. But when given the space to run and the proper training, the proper leadership, they are capable of incredible things. That's the picture of empowered leaders. Legalism boxes people in. Faith opens us up to all that God has called us to be. It, it's that freedom and that space to do it. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he was, he was being kind of accused by some folks, maybe some of the Corinthians, of, of somehow restricting them like there was things that that they were they, they thought that maybe he was li <clears throat> was limiting them in some way and but he defends his ministry and he he actually says no like I, I I intentionally did things a certain way so as not to box you in I, I didn't put he says the words I didn't put a stumbling block in front of any of you and so if we pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13, I want to read it in the message. Eugene Peterson, in this, in this translation, the message as he's paraphrased it here, and he expresses it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> he says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. 
Open your lives. Live openly and expansively. I just want to pause there and pray for a moment before we jump into this. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I pray today you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to, to understand, and the courage to respond to this wide, open, expansive, extravagant life that you have for us. Lord, I pray your word would stir our hearts. And Lord, as it would be a sense that across this room and, and those listening online and taking a part and tuning in online, Lord, there'd be a sense of a release of your spirit. There'd be a sense of a release of your calling on us to be in that wide open, spacious life you've called us to. Lord, anything that's hindering, anything that's holding us back, any stumbling block would be overcome today by your spirit. And Lord, you would come and you would minister and you would pour out your spirit on us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Living by faith, it's, it's wide open. It's, it's extravagant. It's, it's huge. And, and it's how God designed us to be. God designed us to have this open life. And, and when we think about that, I just, right from the beginning, I want to I clarify that when I talk about being open and, and free, that's, that's not without common sense, that's not without limits, that's not this excessive, when I say extravagant, that's not self-indulgent, but there's a freedom in it. I mean, to, to, to just go with no sense of anything, it, that's foolish. And I'm also not talking about this idea when I think of the, the greatness of God and so on like that. It's like, it's not like, I'll say, corporate success or finances or, you know, where there's sort of bigger than life life. It's, I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about this concept of aspiring to great things greater than ourselves. And it's not because we think we're great. It's because we recognize that God is great and what he's doing is great and we find that in him, not in ourselves. Living by faith is open and expansive. It's generous, it's extravagant, and it's what God's called us to. In God's economy, this idea of greatness, it's evaluated in a very different way than we evaluated ourselves. He uses a different measure. He uses a different standard than we often see it. In Mark chapter 9, there's this story. Jesus is traveling with his 12 disciples. They're, they're, they're traveling together. They're doing life together. There's discipleship happening. He's investing in them. He's, he's pouring into them. There was relationship between them, which is so important. There was that vulnerability. But the funny thing is that there was also some insecurity showing up too. There was also some, some things showing up that are like, but they were growing. It was good. They were growing. So I'm going to pick it up in Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And it says there, Mark 9, 33. They came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they'd been arguing about who was the greatest. He's like, guys, you know, back there, what was that all about? And they had the sense to keep quiet. Because they were thinking, okay, who's the greatest? They're arguing back and forth like, well, Peter, I'm greatest. Like, Peter's like, hey, I'm the one that knew that he was the Messiah. So it's like, it's, it's got to be me. Well, John's like, well, no, no, I'm the one that he loves. It's like, it's got to be. So they're arguing back and forth about who's the greatest. So we come back into this. But that gives me hope, right? If these 12 that are doing life with Jesus, right, person to person, if they can get into that kind of stuff with insecurities, my insecurities are not too much for God. 
Okay, there's hope in here. This is good. Verse 35, he sits down with them. Let's talk about investing. He sits down with the 12. He calls them together. And Jesus called the 12 and he said, hey, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Hey, if you guys want to be big, big, big deal around here, be the servant of all. And he took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. Now, in our culture, that might not seem like too big of a deal, but when we think of the context here, the culture at that time, a child would be pretty insignificant. They, they didn't necessarily put a, 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 someone that was still a child on that high of a pedestal as far as influence and, and someone like that. So this was, this was Jesus saying, hey, guys, like, you need to pay attention here because someone that you think might be insignificant... He says that this is the very thing that we're talking about. And so he, makes, he begins to make the connection between this child and himself. So there's the connection between, and then he says between himself and the father. So he says, you know, welcoming this child is like welcoming me. And welcoming me is like welcoming the father. And we see this, him join the dots between that which they would have seen as insignificant and that which is most significant. And it's an incredible message when we think about this idea of, of, of leadership, empowered leadership. You know, sometimes we think of empowered leadership is this, you know, this force of brute strength and ignorance, you know. But what are you saying here in this context from the least significant, a direct connection to God and the most significant? Significance in God's kingdom is found in being a servant of all, even those sometimes considered insignificant. It's so important. You know, there's going to be some overlap and some repetition as we go through these values. And that actually shows the incredible connection and interrelatedness between each one. There's such a sense of as we continue to unpack each one, we can see how they connect to one another and how they overlap. Serving all people from the latest least to the greatest. I mean, our, our, the first one we went to was all people, right? That was what we talked about at the very beginning. This idea of being Christ-centered, discipleship being laying down our lives and serving others. It displayed in losing ourselves in Christ. There's a definite connection between discipleship and empowered leadership. When you think about it, discipleship, as it, as it develops and as people go through the discipleship process, ends up in empowered leaders, and, and then empowered leaders through the process as they continue to do what God's called them to do and serve everyone, then it results in disciples. So the two things are interconnected and they serve one another and they bring out such great things. And this was modeled by Jesus in his ministry. He, he invested, he, he showed, he, he modeled it in the way he lived. I want to pick up Luke chapter 9. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. And in Luke chapter 9, it's this story of when Jesus sent out the 12. And, and last week when Paul was talking about discipleship, I think it was in Mark 6, Mark 9, that he was talking about this, this same scripture from, from Mark's perspective, this idea of the 12 being called. And this is a great example of Jesus modeling what it is to be a servant, about an empowered leader, an empowering leader. Verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 1. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. 
And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If the people do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out. They went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. I mean, it's, it's this model. And it's like it includes so many things that, that we, can, we can glean from why, the way Jesus did it. And he, he invested in them. He poured into them. He spent time. So he invested in them. He modeled it. He went about ministering and serving and putting himself in that place of a servant. And then he gave opportunity to them. And he didn't just give opportunity. He gave authority to go with it. He didn't just say go. He, said go. he empowered them, gave them the strength to do it. And then he sent them out. He trusted them enough to send them out. And as they went... Incredible things happened, and they came back, and they debriefed, and he sent them out again, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. You know, it's like they did it, and, and as they did it, he modeled this empowered leadership, and it was, it was incredible to watch. Now, you may be thinking, you're sitting there going, well, okay, well, that's all well and good. I'm not a leader. This message is not for me. I, you don't understand I'm not a leader. I have no desire to be a leader. I'm not a leader. So this doesn't apply to me. I can just tune out. Please don't. Don't tune out. Don't turn me off. Don't, don't. If you are a believer this morning, if you're here and you're a believer, then that makes you, if you're watching this and you're a believer, this, that makes you a follower of Christ. As a follower of Christ, that makes you a disciple. So in following Christ and being discipled and learning as a disciple, as disciples, we have this incredible opportunity, these God appointments, these these day-to-day occurrences where being a disciple gives us an opportunity to shine and share the goodness of what God is doing in us as his followers, the the gift of, of salvation, the gift that God has given us with those around us that the light of God that shines through us, we get to share that. We, we impact people around us because of that. There's no title in- included in that. There's no position included in that. It's just who we are. It's what we do. That's empowered leadership. That, that's the essence of being a disciple is you're carrying something and sharing that with those around you. Even if you don't have a title, you don't have to be reverend whatever. You don't have to be pastor whatever. It's the call of God on each person to carry that message. At Faith City Church, our mission is to holistically engage people with the gospel, equipping and empowering each other to live it out in our worlds. That's discipleship. It's who we are. It's what we do. You're catching that? It's like to engage people with the gospel, equipping and empowering each other, to, to, to follow Jesus and be his followers, equipping and empowering. That's a huge part of what it is to be empowered leaders, walking it out in our worlds. It's that connection of you have people that you have connection to that I will never, ever speak to. But God has empowered you and given you opportunity to walk that out and to make a difference for his glory, not, not Faith City Church's glory, not Glenn's glory, God's glory and the power of engaging our world. 
Now here at Faith City Church, we, we strive to invest in others. We, we, we strive to model it. We, 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 we work hard to give people opportunities and the authority and the permission to, to we say yes, to go out there and to, to do things and, and, and to clean up the mess because that sometimes happens too. But it's like it's that sense of, of getting out there and doing it. We send, we debrief, we repeat. Again, I want to I just read this. We believe the gospel is about releasing in freedom rather than restricting in legalism. So we strive to empower leaders by releasing them to the bigness of their God-given purpose rather than restricting them to the small dreams and small influence. God has amazing things for each of us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. I want to read, again, I want to read it in the message version. Eugene Peterson, he has a way of crafting this and using language that is like, you've got to really listen. So I'll, I'll try to do my best as I read this to, to, you know, to kind of put some heart into it. But just try to really absorb the sense of what's being said in this in Ephesians chapter 1. And I've used this scripture a couple times in this series, and I make no apology for that because there is so much in it. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 11. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. I love that. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I mean, that's, that's totally our Christ-centered value right there. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, you, once, once you heard the truth and believed, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what is coming. It's a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That's why when I heard of the solid trust that you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy, boundless strength. I mean, that's the power of God in us. All this energy, it issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name, no power exempt from his rule. And not just for this time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Church, you see, mm -mm, it is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. 
The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is his body in which he speaks and acts. And we are his church. The church, it's sinking in a little bit, but it's not quite sunk in yet. But the church is what he chooses to work through and move through and, and to, to bring his spirit and power through. He expresses it through the church. We are his church. That's, that's incredible. Like, it actually blows my mind a little bit to think about this because from my perspective, it's like the, the idea that God would use broken, stubborn, messy people like us to fulfill his plan on the earth is, is a bit of, <laughs> it's like, wow, but he does. He doesn't, he, you know, sometimes we, we excuse ourselves or we even, we cat ourselves out. We eliminate ourselves because we think, well, we're not perfect. Well, neither were the 12. God knows us. He knew it, but his church, he chooses to use us, his church, his body, he speaks, he acts through us. We're his church. It's a mystery. And he doesn't just call us. He doesn't just say, okay, guys, go figure it out. He gives us the calling. He says, you are the church. I'm going to move through you. And then he empowers us through the process. He puts his power into us to fulfill the call that he's placed on us. It's not just sending us out without the resources. It's, it's, not, it's not a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for dependence on God and to see him do incredible things that we can't do ourselves. Whoa. I'm sorry, I get excited about this stuff. Actually, sorry, not sorry. When we think about it, one of these, you know, Pentecostal scriptures, Acts 1.8, you know, talks about the pouring of the Holy Spirit and they're all together and it's just before the Spirit comes and it says, you will receive power in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These guys had never seen the ends of the earth. Some of them had never made it past Samaria. He's saying, but guys, it's like, well, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you. And you will be, you will be my witnesses. Yeah, Jerusalem, get it right at home. But he's like, it's bigger than that. It's huge. He sent them out to do the work. And he gave them the supernatural power through the Holy Spirit. As much as we as, as, as leaders, as much as we as, as pastors and staff and board and, and, and ministry leaders and so on, as much as we desire to empower and release and invest and, and, and give opportunity and in, in all those resources, we want to do that. As much as we do that, we have to recognize that God empowers us all by his spirit. It's through the power of God in us, his Holy Spirit in us, that we can even respond to the call that he's placed upon us. I'm going to ask the team to come back. as we think about this, sometimes the call can be overwhelming, but I want to, we, we've got to realize right from the get-go, we can't do this alone. But we were never meant to. We, we can't do this 
in our own strength, as much as we put our own strength into it and, and passion and stuff into it, that's, that's good. We, we lay that as an offering there. But as much as we try, we, we can't do this in our own strength. We were never meant to. It, it's like we were never meant to. We can't engage even in this supernatural journey that, that we call Christianity. We can't engage in that without the power of God's Spirit. But we were never meant to. Like sometimes I think we disqualify ourselves because, you know, we're stumbling, we're falling, we're trying to do something in our own strength and it doesn't quite work out. Well, that's not a time for disqualification. That's a time to recognize we were never meant to and God's right there to help us and empower us and, and, and lift us up and heal us and bring us back to that place. Paul prayed that Jesus would help us to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for us as his followers. I mean, Paul prayed that for his, before the people that were there back in the very, very beginning of the church. He prayed that they would, they would grasp the, the extravagance of this work in us and the incredible power at work in us and through us. And, and, and today, some 2,000 years later, it's like, it's no different for us. Paul's prayer was for them. My prayer is for us, that we would grasp the extravagance and the power of what God wants to do in us and through us and to recognize, you know, we can't do it ourselves. That's okay. We were never meant to. But in Him, in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, walls come down. People are set free. Brokenness is overcome and healing and restoration happens. When the Holy Spirit comes, healing takes place. Purpose arises. Hope comes in. Darkness is dispelled. People are set free. We just carry it. We just bring it, we just bring what we have and we allow God to do what he wants to do in us and through us. This is unapologetically a Pentecostal church. And one of the things about being Pentecostal is this reliance upon and appreciation for the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. It's like, I never wanna lose that. I'm, I'm a, like, to me, it's like, if, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we don't have the presence of God in our midst, if we don't have something of God that, that the world doesn't have, then, then we're missing the point. But with Him, the power of God in us and through us in the person of the Holy Spirit, to be empowered is to have power given. And that's exactly what Jesus does when He gives us His Holy Spirit. He empowers us. As I said before, we're committed as a team to do our best, to invest, to model, to equip, to release. But we never intended any of us to step out and reach out without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. It's what we live for, it's what we believe for, and I believe it's what will change our planet. I love that we've been singing this song about revival. Lord, you know, cover this land, and just this idea of God, that the heavens would break forth and pour out the power of God and transform lives. I mean, my heart is in that. It's like, it's why I do what I do is just to see God release His Holy Spirit across this city, across this region, across this country and beyond, is to see the power of God poured out and released. Folks, we need the empowering, sustaining presence of God in each and every one of us.
everyone. No one exempts. I just want to encourage us in this. We're going to go into worship. And we're going to lift up God. But it's like in this time of worship, I believe it's an opportunity for us to focus, for us to, to, to set aside some, some inhibitions that we have when it comes to God and His Holy Spirit and just say, God, have your way. You know, whether you're home, whether you're in your living room, whether you're watching this, you know, two, three days from now or a year from now, that in this moment, the Holy Spirit's doing something. He wants to do something in our lives. And could we just open ourselves up in this time of worship to receive what He wants to do? I want us to stand together. Worship is a powerful opportunity to connect with God. So can we just open ourselves up to whatever God wants to do? Can we just focus on Him for just a moment? Let me pray for you, God. I just pray for your people. God, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. To, Lord, we're hungry for you. Holy Spirit, would you just open the heavens, God? and pour out your spirit. Release the things of God in our lives, in this church, in our communities, in our schools, in our place of work, in our, in our culture, Lord, across this province, Lord, where this province desperately needs the reconciliation of the Holy Spirit to be at work in people's lives. God, we just pray that would be released across us, Lord, in us and through us. God, we need your Holy Spirit. And God, we're hungry for your Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Empower us to be your witnesses here and beyond. Empowered leaders, empowered disciples, empowered followers of Christ are those dependent on Christ and the Holy Spirit. God, that's us today. That's us today. So we're going to take some time. We're going to worship. I encourage you to lift your hands. Just allow God to do what he wants to do. Let's spend some time in his presence in Jesus' name.